A spontaneous and unrehearsed interview. Welcome to Curiosityness, and oh boy, it's episode 50. And as you can tell, we got a uh, theme song here sort of planned, so it sounds cool, because a few people have told me that the sound quality and audio production was not that great, and it really wasn't. So, trying to make things better. I hope the sound volume levels are better with this and it sounds good in your car, your headphones. I worked a lot on that. Got this new intro song, which hopefully makes it sound cooler and uh, you guys dig it, but that's it. And we did it all for episode 50. And by we, I mean me, because it's just me. And uh, But I feel good about doing 50 episodes, and this is a fun one. I have on Aaron Birch from discovercontainers.com, and we've all seen them. We've all seen shipping container homes and bars and stuff being built, and... I don't know about you, but I think they look cool, and I want to build my own shipping container house someday. So I talked to Aaron Birch about how to do it, and his uh, his company, Discover Containers, sells plans and an ebook, and he is, has a ton of information about it. So if you're at all interested in it, check this episode out. The first, I don't know, half hour or so, we just kind of talk about the overall benefits and reasons why you should or shouldn't get a, dis- or a, a container house. And then after that, we kind of get more into the details of the actual building process and stuff like that. So you may not be interested in this episode if you don't care about architectural stuff and shipping containers. But if you do, I think you're really going to love it. So that's it. Without further ado, here is episode 50 of Curiosityness with Aaron Birch of DiscoverContainers.com. What's up, Aaron? Thanks for being on the show. Hey, Travis. My pleasure. Yeah, man. Stoked to talk to you because, uh, yeah, shipping containers are are pretty sweet, man. It's something that I think most people, right, when they see it, it kind of just, you know, it's different and it, it looks cool. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement. You're starting to see them pop up in the news here and there. And obviously, you know, walking around big cities, there's, you know, bars and cafes that are made out of them. So people are starting to kind of build their awareness up and think about, you know, maybe this could actually work for me and my family. Yeah, very true. So, I mean, let's just, just start, like, uh, you know, tell me a bit about yourself and um, and your your website, your company, discovercontainers.com. Yeah, so uh, I am a mechanical engineer by uh, degree and spent some time working in construction project management for a few years and uh, went back to school, did some other things after that, but um, kind of had that background of, of uh, you know, building things and managing construction and you know, growing up, uh, helped my dad build our house and stuff. So oh, it was kind of fun, kind of fundamentals were there in the background. And, uh, I actually purchased this website, uh, probably a year or two ago now. So, um, it came up for sale and I thought this kind of dovetails nicely with my experience and some of my background knowledge. So took it and been running with it. Yeah. Killer. And so now, so you wait, so let's back up. You, you helped your dad build your, your family house. Yeah, my dad was a little crazy, so he, he got this idea in his head that he wanted to build his own house. I don't know why, but uh, I guess it was like his you know midlife crisis or something. And so it was like a three year process. Like every day after work, he would go there, and um, you know on the weekends I would go there and help him. And um, 
didn't do too much during the week, but uh, during the weekends, yeah, for you know two or three years, we were out there almost every weekend, you know, working on it. So got to see, you know, everything kind of come together piece by piece, and it was certainly a slow process with setbacks here and there. But I mean, he he was a professional builder. He just go to the library and buy the framing book or buy the plumbing book or something, and just kind of taught himself along the way. And, <laughs> Man, that's sweet. And he still he was still working full time and just did this, you know, after working on weekends. Yeah, yeah. He owns his own business, so he just kind of did it on the side. Damn, that's awesome. That's pretty fun. So, what was the uh, the family reaction to that? Were you guys supportive, or were you kind of like, "What's Dad doing here?" Yeah, I think you know there was there was some trepidation due to like how the uh, housing situation played out during the construction because we sold our previous house, so didn't really know how long it was going to take. So at one point he was like, he just bought this RV and we were living in an RV out on the land. And <laughs> that pretty quickly went South. People weren't so happy about that. So we ended up getting an apartment instead. Um, and you know, time kind of drew out longer than maybe anyone anticipated, but eventually did get finished. So it was pretty good. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. My, uh, similarly, my mom's dad, my grandpa built their house in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And basically just, you know, worked as quick as he could to get the basement finished. And then they all lived in the basement for a few years while he kept building the rest of the house. So uh, yeah. I've heard stories of, of, you know, the family squeezing into tight places where everything's still under construction. So it's definitely, yeah. uh, definitely sounds fun. Cause a little bit of stress, I think, but it's pretty, pretty unique uh, experience to get to see that kind of come together around you. So. Yeah, that's fun. And I mean, that's kind of, uh, kind of why I reached out to you and, you know, I've been interested in container homes too, is it's like, it seems cool to build your own home, you know, to kind of uh, go through that whole process and, you know, work through as much as you can, hire contractors for stuff you can't do. Um, so is that kind of who you cater to and, and help out is, is people who are trying to do it themselves or people who are generally having it built by a contractor or another company or like, where do you kind of fit in and help people? Uh, we help out both of those groups. There's, um, and it kind of breaks down a little bit on size too. So there's a lot of people out there who are looking for basically a cabin, you know, one, maybe two containers, mm. probably not going to live in a full time. It's more like, you know, their property outside the city or, you know, a weekend place or something. Right. Something that's that small is a little more manageable to think maybe I could build it myself, but there's also people out there who are building, you know, three, four or 5,000 square foot, you know, mansions, so to speak really nice houses that they're, they're hiring a professional architect to come in and figure all these crazy ways to stack them and stuff. People building houses that big, I won't say they're never doing it themselves, but it's more common for those people to hire someone. And then there's a lot of people that are just kind of in the middle. It's maybe, you know, it's a, a thousand or 1500 square foot house. They want to do some of it. It kind of just depends on people's life situation too. You know, do they have the time to be able to dedicate to something like this? And do they have you know, the skills necessary? It's not, you know, rocket science, uh, but it is, you know, it's, it's complex. You're building a house, you know, but using a container, it enables you to skip a few steps. So when a container shows up at your house, you've already got floor, you've already got a roof, you've already got walls. It's already weatherproof. So you basically got, you know, a tent there more or less. So you can sleep in it on day one. It's not going to be good. You're going to have to pee in a bucket and there's no running water and it's going to be cold, but like you could sleep in there and be safe from the elements. Right. So anything after that is just making it nice, right? It's not making it a roof over your head. Whereas a regular house, you show up, you just got dirt there. You, you got to spend weeks, months before you get something that you can actually see in. So 
I think for do-it-yourselfers, containers offer that benefit of, hey, I'm going to just skip past the first 10 steps, and now I'm sitting here with something that's actually you know, ready to live in, and I'm now just trying to make it comfortable. Nice. Yeah, that's a good point. I like how you phrase that, where you kind of, from day one, you already have the roof over your head, and then it's just making it nice. You got the necessities there, I guess, sort of. Um, so, I mean, let's just start, like, why, what, why a shipping container? Like, what are the, what are the benefits? Um, and reasons why someone might choose a shipping container? Uh, that kind of depends on different people and kind of what their motivations are, but there's a few main reasons. So one of them is security. Um, so security from other people, but also security from the elements, security from animals. So obviously it's a strong metal box um, compared to what you might build um, out of wood. It's just a little more durable. So if you're worried about tornadoes or you're worried about vandals or things like that, um, it provides a little more peace of mind in that area. And obviously, the more you start cutting into it and for windows and doors, that can kind of be reduced. But there's ways around that of putting like, you know, storm shutters or different types of grates and things over the windows if you're concerned about people getting in through the windows and doors. But anyways, that's one. Also, the kind of eco-friendliness. So people like the idea of taking something and recycling it, right? So there's a lot of the reasons shipping containers got so uh, exciting for people is that they see them sitting around everywhere. You, you drive past these port cities or even kind of intermodal ports that are inland, and you can see hundreds of these things stacked up. And I guess the, the thought crossed somebody's head a while back of, hey, maybe we could stack these up and actually throw a house in there. They're just sitting there kind of rotting away. Um, at the you know 10-ish year point or so, these containers for the companies that actually use them in shipment, they become depreciated and they're starting to get kind of some wear and tear on them. And it doesn't really make sense for those companies to invest anymore to refurbish them or repair them. Um, and so those containers that, you know, have a variety of conditions, they're sitting there and they're available for a fairly reasonable price. And, you know, you can take them and, you know, put a new coat of paint on them. And if there's any rust or anything, you know, scrape that off, uh, fix everything up. And then you've got, you know, a great building block for your house. And so a lot of people really appreciate that. Um, some people just like the kind of the aesthetic of it, you know, modern industrial architecture. Um, you'll see this, you know, becoming popular people, you know, using steel and concrete in their house. And you can mm-hmm. look up architectural digests and, and see kind of that's, you know, a, a popular way to build things. Um, and so containers are kind of a way to get at that. Um, you can, you know, stack them up in different ways and, and you know, maybe put two together and then the space in between them, you can have like an open area. There's just a lot of different ways you can go with them. And so people really like the flexibility. And, and then finally, I think it's just do it yourself friendly. So like we said at the beginning of the call, like not everyone wants to do a do it yourself build, but I think a lot of people do. A lot of the interest is, hey, maybe I can make this a little bit cheaper than it would cost me to build or it would cost me to hire someone. And so you know, maybe I can look into this, see you know, what it would cost me if this is something maybe I haven't ever been able to own my own home before. Maybe, maybe I have a home, but having a, you know, like the cabin we talked about out on the property outside of a city, maybe that's something that's kind of been a dream of mine, but I haven't really been able to afford it in my budget. You know, maybe containers will be a way for me to get there. So a spattering of reasons, but, um, and that's not all of them, but those are some of the main ones. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, learned this before, so, it, but you can't believe or read it or, can't believe everything you read on the internet about um sure. wanting to they don't uh for shipping containers they don't keep track of what's been put in them so you 
they recommended buying a, a new one only because there could have been like, you know, hazardous waste or, you know, radioactive stuff that was put in there. Um, so is that a concern or not? Not really. It's a concern. Um, it's not, not a huge concern. So there's a few points on that. So, and so you're right. They, if, if a shipping container is actively moving, they have to put a placard on there that says there's something bad in there. But, oh. you know, months or years later, that placard has been taken off. It's only when it's actively got something in there. So um, there's no kind of historical record of like, here's the 57 shipments this thing did in its lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's really keeping track of that. It's just when it's actively shipping something, you know what's in it if right. it's hazardous, but then after that, you don't know. So, so it, it can happen where things that are kind of nasty get in there. Um, the really, the only way that could potentially matter to you is the floor, right? So the walls and the ceiling, everything are steel. Um, it's, you know, a non-porous material. So, you know, if you spill something on steel, it's not, it doesn't soak in. It just runs off down to the floor and it's, you know, gone It evaporates. So, uh, the floor, the plywood floor, you know, is porous. Things can soak into that. Um, and so potentially if something nasty was in there and, you know, the next step is that it actually leaked out, then it could be in the floor. So some people like to replace the floor. Other people just kind of encapsulate. So they put like an epoxy or plastic cover over the floor and it just kind of traps. If there's anything in there, which who's to say if there is or not, but if there was, you can kind of just cover it up and then it doesn't really matter. So there's ways of getting around that. I'm not going to say that there's, there's never anything bad in there, but it's not really, there's. You could cover it up or, or remove it, so it's not a really a big concern, I don't think. Okay, interesting. Yeah, good point. So, is that do you find most people are generally buying used ones as opposed to new containers? Uh, it's just different for different people. It kind of depends on what their budget is, and it depends on kind of what their their framework for you know, purchasing it is. Because if you buy the new containers, you know you have that peace of mind of you know this thing. I know exactly what's been in it. Nothing because mm-hmm. I just shipped it here empty, but then you don't have that eco-friendliness, right? You paid to ship an empty box across the world. Um, and so it's not like it's someone made this thing and it's been used for dozens of years and, and now it's kind of on its last legs and you're saving it. It's someone made this thing a few weeks ago and it hasn't been used at all for its creative purpose. You're just taking it and making it into a house. So, um, you know, some people kind of get turned off by that part of it. Of It feels like I'm not really doing anything good for the environment here when I'm I'm paying someone to make this box and I'm shipping an empty box, but you know, it's different people have different motivations. So, uh, there's not really any one right or wrong way, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. I could see, see both sides of it. Um, so do are, I mean, from your perspective, do you see that most people are just kind of using a, a shipping container as like the entire footprint or are they generally like really cutting into these things and building extra structures along with them? Or is it just kind of, a, you know, a mix of both? I'm sure. Yeah, it's a mix of both. I mean, uh, a common thing that we're starting to see that I kind of mentioned before is people either making like two parallel containers or making kind of a U shape of the containers. Hmm. And then the middle area, they're just, you know, throw some wood or steel over that and make kind of a higher ceiling in that area, maybe make that their living room or something. Right. Um, and so the containers kind of form the three walls and you have like glass on the fourth wall or something like that. So that part is not actually, you know, built out of containers, but it has container walls. So you're kind of, just like I said before, you kind of skip a few steps, right? You're not, those three walls you're going to build, they're part of the container. So it saves you a little bit of, of work there. Um, 
some people, you know, they'll stack containers up right beside each other and they'll cut out the walls of the container. And that gives you kind of a, a larger area, a wider area. Because, you know, containers are not the widest things in the world, right? You're about seven and a half feet after you put your insulation and your, uh, your sheetrock and everything up. So it's not a super big room. So a lot of people kind of have concerns about that and they want to get bigger rooms somehow. So, um, you know, cutting them open and putting them adjacent to each other is another way to do that. But, you know, it's quite a bit of work. And then you have to think about structural reinforcement and things like that. So the kind of the putting them next to each other, but apart from each other kind of gives you the benefit of getting a bigger open space without having to actually cut into them too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen that U shape before and it looks pretty sick. It looks really yeah. cool, especially with that. Yeah. People put that glass wall and stuff there. Mm -hmm. it, looks, it looks awesome. And then you kind of get your, you get interior rooms then sort of too, along with that. Right. Yeah. yeah, you get the smaller ancillary rooms, like, you know, maybe your bedroom or closets, things like that, where you don't need a huge space can be inside the containers. And then maybe like your kitchen and your living room, where you want to have a big open area, they can be kind of in the middle. So, right. yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting design. People are starting to do that, or even like kind of a dog trot where you have just the two, and then you can open up kind of the front and the back. If you have glass, you can get a nice breeze blowing through the middle. Um, so there's, there's a lot of ways you can do it. I mean, they're like Legos, right? You can stack them right. up however you want to and arrange them however you want to. So yeah, people like to just get them and, you know, dream about how they were going to move them around and stuff. And there's a lot of ways you can go with it. Sweet. So is the, um, I mean, you mentioned, you know, kind of the, the structural integrity of it, how it's like a, a big steel box. Um, is it when you're cutting into the, the size of the walls and just for windows and doors and even like that, is that kind of a big concern are you kind of you know chipping away at the the strength strength of the the container that way you are to some degree but if you're just putting you know a regular window a regular door it's not too much of a concern when you start doing you know like a three wide french door situation like a big sliding glass door that's you know 15 feet wide or something like that now you've kind of got a little bit larger area so the containers they have on all their edges, all their corners, they have large steel beams that hold the majority of, of the structure. But okay. the corrugated sides, they do you know supplement the structure. So when you start cutting into those corrugated sides, it does, does affect the strength of it. But again, containers are so strong, you know, they're made to carry a forty foot container can carry sixty something thousand pounds of weight in it, and on top of that, it can be stacked I think eight or nine high. So um, there's a, there's a factor of safety there, I guess, of even if you cut into them a little bit, you've still, unless you're having like 5,000 people cram into your, like, you know, phone booth style, cram into your house and they all jump at the same time or something like right. any, any, <laughs> any normal use of a house is not going to be, you know, for the most part, a huge strain on the structure of a container. It's much less than the container, you know, in its prior life was completely full of, you know, stuff all the way to the ceiling. So, you know, you and your cat walking around are not stressing it too much. Um, so even if you make a few cuts here and there, it's not going to be the end of the world, but we do encourage people to, you know, add some structural reinforcement when they do start making those cuts, especially if you start, um, you know, stacking things, which can, um, if you, if you're stacking containers directly on top of each other, then all the weight is transferred through the corners. Right. But a lot of people like to turn them perpendicular. And so you're putting load basically from, uh, it's not going into the corners, going into those, those beams. And so those beams aren't typically designed to be loaded in that way. Um, the containers are supposed to be just through the corners. So you start turning them like that, you're kind of getting a little bit off the map of what they were designed to do. And that's where you really want to start 
thinking about talking to a structural engineer who can look at things and make sure everything's safe. So, okay. Yeah. Cause they're, I mean, you just, when you see them on ships, they're designed to just be stacked on top of each other, all, you know, in the same fashion. Right. So is right. that, do you ever really, is it, can you even get rid of those, uh, you know, beams in the corner at all? Or is that the entirety of the, the thing? Do people always leave those? Uh, I mean, yeah, you couldn't really take out the corners. That kind of connects the, uh, you know, the roof to the floor, basically. It's all that right. load is going, going through those corner, those four uh, corner beams. So, yeah, you definitely want to leave those in. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and then how high did you say you could stack these things? Like if they're just straight up on top of each other? Uh, you can stack them, I think, nine high total. So one on the bottom and eight above it. And that's fully loaded. If they're not fully loaded, you can go higher than that. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Because there's people I mean, building like apartment buildings and stuff with these shipping containers too, right? Yeah. You don't see that too much in the U.S. right now. But there's some of the cities in Europe like Copenhagen and you know some places in Germany and Norway. Some of those guys. They have a lot of student housing and, and different, you know, low-income projects like that that are made out of containers. So they're stacking them pretty high. I mean, at some point you have to start thinking about, you know, is the wind going to blow this thing over? But um, so you can't go, you can't make a skyscraper out of them, I guess. But right. um, for any, any reasonable person's house is not going to need to go, you know, nine or ten high. I don't think they don't. Yeah, they don't have enough uh, <laughs> enough money for that. So it's not really a concern. Most people are, you know, two maybe three high, and that's about the end of it. So. Um, Again, you know, it's it's a little bit boring if you're stacking them right on top of each other. That's how they're designed to do. Then you end up with a giant square. So people like to have them turn kind of crazy ways and things sticking out and cantilevered out and things. But when you start doing that, like I said, you're kind of getting away from how they were designed. So it's really important to have a professional structural engineer look at it. They can do some analysis and make sure everything is good to go. Mm -hmm. So is this... So I, I get the, if someone's doing this to try to be, you know, um, environment like eco-friendly and everything to kind of recycle something that's already been used and, and turn it into their home. But if someone's looking at this as just a cost savings thing and let's say they're not going to build it themselves, uh, like comparing using this, using shipping containers to kind of a traditional house, is that is it going to save them money? You know, that's a common question. And I typically say. Probably not, but maybe. And it's a like every question you've asked me so far, it's nuanced, I guess. But uh, a lot of it is because people don't compare, you know, apples to apples. They talk about, you know, the container house compared to a traditional house. But are those houses the same size? Are those houses, do they have the same security? Are those houses, do they have the same type of foundation? Um, so you end up like, well, my container is going to be, you know, 960 square feet, 340 foot containers. Or I'll build a 1,500 square foot house out of wood, and it's going to have, you know, a, a slab foundation. But my container is going to have a pier foundation, and I'm going to have wood siding that you know, a tornado would just just eat through um, compared to the, the container. And I'm going to have, you know, really nice finishes with you know marble floors in my house. But my container, I'm going to have, you know, just leave the, the existing wood on there and throw some um, some epoxy on top, and you know, use some used cabinets that I got from Craigslist. And so it's like, well, wait a second, those things are anyway the same. Like they're both houses, but everything else about them is different. So and even if you're if you have the mindset of, okay, I want to try to make them as close as possible in my mind as I'm kind of doing this analysis. I mean it's it's tricky. It's hard. So it's really difficult to have a fair comparison of what do they cost. But 
in general, if you want to save money with a container, like you could, because we talked about, you know, it's already waterproof, it's already weatherproof. Um, and anything you do past that, right, is just making it comfortable. So how comfortable do you want to make it? You can, you can make it, you know, pretty bare bones, no frills um, for, you know, just a few thousand dollars. And it's certainly livable and it's, you know, cabin style, but you're not going to win, you know, the architectural award or anything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky question. And then if you start talking about people doing it for you, in general, it's probably going to be more expensive. And that depends a little bit about you know, where you're located, what type of contractors and designers are available out there. Right. Um, and, and then also, is the person like coming to your site and building it, or are they kind of building it in their factory and then just shipping it to you? So there's um, economies of scale when people build them kind of away from your building site and then truck them in. Mm-hmm. You can have some savings that way. Um, I mean, I've seen some contractors that sell, you know, a 40 foot container as a cabin for dollars $30,000, you know, that's pretty cheap yeah. for a cabin, but there's other places that are selling the same size, just maybe a little bit better for 60, 70, 80,000. Um, so over twice the price. So, I mean, how do you, how do you compare those things? Right. What's, which one is, is your traditional house more similar to? Um, it's a, it's a tough question to ask, but so the, that's a long way to answer, but in general, I'd like to tell people if you're coming into containers for the explicit reason of, I want to save money and that's why I'm here, you're probably here for the wrong reason. You, you may end up saving money, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write it in blood. It just kind of depends on how everything kind of shakes out and what decisions you make. Um, but if, if that's the only reason you care about it, then it's probably, you may end up being disappointed. So I think people should really have some other reasons why they like them other than cost savings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that makes sense. Um, so what, what can someone generally expect to, to pay for either an, a used, you know, container or a new one? Um, so when you say new container, that is a little bit open-ended. So there's, there's truly new containers that are, have never had anything in them. A lot of people actually look towards one trip containers which are, so it was made overseas. It had one shipment over to America or Europe or wherever you're located, and then it was sold. So it only had one load in it. Uh, so you can kind of know what that was. And it just makes more sense of uh, instead of sending an empty box somewhere, right? It, it just <laughs> right, seems yeah. crazy. So if it's already coming anyways, and it's like, it can hold something, why not throw something in there, you know, for the, along the way? Yeah, that's um, awesome. So, so those are in great shape. You know, there might have a little bit of, you know, scuffing or something in them, but mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, they're almost good as new. So people sometimes interchange the term new and one trip, but there actually are two separate things. Um, but as far as price, so used can be a lot of different things. Used can be just covered in rust and like, you know, not even worth your time. Um, and used can be, you know, really good shape. There's, there's actually some intermediate rankings like cargo worthy, wind water tight, as is, a lot of places that sell containers will kind of rate them in that way. So um, you can kind of, you can, you can get a 40 foot container for probably a thousand bucks, but it's going to be pretty rough. Like you're going to have to do a lot of work to fix it up. It's going to be paint peeling. It's going to be holes in the floor. Like you may be able to see some sky through the roof. Like it's, it's not going to be looking good. Uh-huh. A more reasonable estimation for, for a 40 foot container that looks decent is probably on the two to 3000 range for a used one. Okay. And then uh, new or used, or sorry, new or one trip, probably more like four, five thousand, something like that. Oh, 
That's not too bad. So, so they're not too bad, yeah. So you can buy three to four of these things for you know, 10, 12 grand. Mm-hmm. And then, well, then on top of that, you would have to uh, also talk about shipping it to your site, too, or, or figuring that out, right? Right, right. And that depends on where you're located. You know, if you happen to be close to a, a major port, like if you live in Miami, like you're in pretty good shape, or you live in Los Angeles, or Long Beach, you're in pretty good shape. If you live in the middle of Nebraska, well, these things are intermodal, right? They don't just come over ships. They they come off the ship and they put it on a rail car and they send it. So there actually are ports that are even inland. So you'll see containers stacked uh-huh. up inland as well. Uh-huh. Um, so if you're close to somewhere where these things are stacked up, then it's not going to be too terribly expensive to get a ship. But if you're out in the middle of the woods in Montana or something, it might be kind of far from you know the nearest place that has them. So you're going to you know pay a little bit to get them shipped to you. Right. Yeah, I live in I live in Long Beach, and every morning I walk my dog, and I see the port. I see like thousands of them, so I can just go right. go pick it up myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of anytime there's a big port city, a lot of you know companies that are you know just outside the gate or whatever that are involved in those things. So you can find them for, for fairly cheap. Oh, sweet. That's good to know. Cool. So, man. Okay, real quick, I had a question about you mentioned this a couple times about. Um, containers being really good against uh tornadoes is that mm-hmm. is that the case are they pretty strong you know against getting hit up against tornadoes and are people using them for you know that that purpose yeah i mean i i'm not i can't you know say like definitively like this thing is going to be fine and like an f5 or f6 tornado or something right. like it's it's hard it's hard to know if anything can survive in those things but um i'd certainly feel more comfortable in a container than i would in a regular house um mm-hmm. so you know, take that for what it's worth, I guess. But again, the more cutting you start doing on them, you cut the whole side out and put, you know, plate glass windows that are 40 feet long. Like, well, that's not going to be do too well. So right. um, it kind of it depends on your design. And obviously, you know, you want to have them anchored down well. You want to have, you know, it, it depends on kind of what's around. Are there trees around that are blocking some of the wind? Or is, is it sitting up on a hill where it's just getting the brute force of anything that comes by? So, I mean, there's there's so many variables that go into that. But in general, I think you'd, you'd be in better shape in a container than you would in a regular house. Um, but, you know, are you 100% safe? You know, would I sleep like a baby in an F5 tornado? I, I'd probably still be a little concerned. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that, that's understandable, but but cool to think about. Um, are you, so I mean, with the, your website that you have and everything, what's kind of, what are the maybe top three questions that you get most often? Uh, I mean, I think we've covered some of them. So how much does it cost or can I save money? Kind of that whole line of questioning. Um, people that are, you know, maybe they're coming into it for the wrong reason, but, um, kind of helping them work through that, talk through that. Um, another question, uh, I mean, a lot of times people want to know about the floor or they want to know about, you know, if there's been any caustic chemicals in there. Um, there's also some concern about maybe the paint that was used on there, you know, is that that paint okay or is that you know paint that's kind of um, needs to be removed or covered up but again you've got the encapsulation option there just cover it up um, with you know high quality primer or paint that kind of keeps any toxins from leaching out um and then what's another question let's see here um people i guess people just want to know about you know can they stack them um in different ways and like what does that entail and the recommendation is typically if you're doing anything very crazy, talk to an engineer 
yeah. there's just so many so many different variables on top of uh you know what the stacking itself it's you know what is your soil like what type of foundation do you have what are the winds like do you have snow there um how are you going to use container in engineering you've got things like dead loads live loads um there's just a lot of things that go into it so trying to give someone just a a quick answer to a really complex question is just not fair it, it deserves having the professional do some analysis on everything that's kind of going into it and they can give a real answer and not just a you know blanket answer that maybe isn't exactly right mm-hmm. yeah and you do i mean i would assume probably nearly 100 percent of the time you need an engineer or an architect to really you know finalize everything for you even if you have pre you know pre-existing plans that you're using right yeah there's there's kind of two different tracks on that. So a lot of people are building containers, like we said, you know, out on their, their weekend property or something. And if you're in a rural area, depending on where you are, the rules are kind of slim to none, right? Um, you're not in a city limit, so you, you may have some county or state rules that apply, but uh, depending on what state you're in, you know, those may not be much, if anything. So you can kind of just throw a container up on your property and no one really knows about it. And, you know, no one's going to really say much about it. Right. Um, Whereas if you're building it in your neighborhood, you know, there's a lot more regulation there. You're going to have to have an architect or engineer involved just to get all your city approvals and things. So part of kind of what the requirements are depends on where you're located, right? And certainly different cities have different requirements. If you're, you know, in Long Beach like you in California, there's probably going to be a little more stringent than it is in Montana, for instance. Even if you're in a city in both, um, there's, they have different types of codes, different types of regulations. So. Um, again, there's not, you know, one end all answer, I guess. And a lot of, a lot of people, an interesting question I get a lot is, Hey, I live in, you know, pick a, pick a town, Florida or something, some little town never heard of what can I have a container here? And I'm like, well, <laughs> there's no way for us to keep track of every city in the world and what their regulations are on top of there being thousands of them. They're changing all the time, right? People are they're changing regulations. They're incorporating new codes. They're, they're, so there's just no way. Like you have to call and ask. There's no way for any database to keep track of that. Um, mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense. So when people have those questions, like what what are the regulatory requirements? Can I have them in my house or excuse me in my city? You got to just call and ask um, and and just find out what they say. So and uh, you know something that I've hear from a lot of people is that and it's just kind of human nature. It's easier to say no than it is to find a way to get to yes. So a lot of this is in how you approach people and it's, it's a people thing, not necessarily a, uh, an engineering task, right? It's, it's finding the right person who's willing to work with you mm-hmm. to figure out how you can get to yes. Cause some people they're just busy and they're like, ah, no, you can't do that. Well, that's not really right. We, we could do this, but it's going to require a little work on your part. We're going to have to do some research. We're going to have to work around some things. And so it's really important for people to, you know, try to find the right person who's flexible and willing to help help them get across the finish line on their project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. I've, I've experienced that stuff myself. So that's very true. Um, have you, are there cities or, or, you know, jurisdictions that just flat out don't allow any construction with um, uh, con- shipping containers that you've experienced or found? That I've heard of or experienced, no. They, okay. they may be out there, but uh, I haven't heard of them. But okay. I, just don't, I don't think it makes logical sense if it if it does happen, I'd I'd be curious to talk to the people that made that rule because you can make container houses in so many different varieties. Like what are that what is the rule against? You can do external cladding and external insulation, cut out the interior walls. 
and you can make a house that you would have no idea it was made out of containers unless you got a hammer and started cutting through the walls and looked and saw, oh, wait, there's a container behind here. Mm-hmm. There could be no, you can make it where there was no internal or external sign that it was a container. Um, and so in that case, why would you, why would you rule against a container? Why it's a strong steel building, right? Um, so if there are any regulations, it's probably against something that maybe disproportionately affects containers, but is not actually against containers themselves, right? So there, maybe there's a rule about, uh, you know, for like, um, handicapped people, ingress and, and egress, you know, they're, they have to, ha- you have to have a wider door or the rooms have to be wider. Well, well, that's kind of hard to do on a container. Now I've got to stack two together and cut the walls out, but I can get around that. Or maybe it's about, you know, in our city or in our neighborhood, our HOA, we don't want to have any, you know, steel siding. We want to have something that looks a little bit nicer. Okay. Well, a container is definitely a steel and, you know, sometimes they don't look that nice if it's not a new one, right. but you know, you, you can put some cladding up, you can put wood or concrete or, you know, vinyl siding, whatever you want. And now it doesn't look like a container anymore. So you can get around that as well. So those aren't rules against containers. Those are rules against any type of house, but maybe a container is more likely to be affected by those rules. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So I think people kind of get that a little bit convoluted in their head. And so it's, it's not so much that you can't have a container as that maybe I'm going to have to tweak my design a little bit and make this container in a way that's going to, you know, uh, assuage any of the fears that, that my neighborhood or that my, my city has. Yeah. So is it, is it generally like an aesthetic kind of concern that communities might have? Cause you know, I think they look cool and I, you know, I think a lot of people are drawn to them because of the aesthetic, but I could see where in some places, you know, especially the, the thought that it's, you know, just unpainted and, and doesn't look, it's, it's not well taken care of. Um, I could see how it wouldn't fit in, in in some places and, you know, track neighborhoods and stuff like that. So is that kind of the, the holdup generally is just aesthetic? Um, I mean, for some places, yeah, it's aesthetic. For other places, it's some of the other things I mentioned about, you know, the size of it or, you know, square footage even. You know, sometimes they want to say, you know, we don't want any houses under 1,500 square feet or under 2,000 square feet. Well, oh, weird. you can have a container as big as you want, right? You can just stack five of them or 10 of them or 20 of them. Right. There's no limit on the size. So that's not, that's not a container regulation. That's just a house regulation. But if you're going to have, you know, if you're trying to build a one container cabin and you're going to put it in some expensive neighborhood. Well, that's, that's not going to work. Just <laughs> if you wanted to build, if you wanted to build some wooden shack in an expensive neighborhood there, no one's going to like that either. So, right. um, so yeah, I think people, yeah, they kind of get a little tripped up on what the regulations are really talking about. Um, I think aesthetics is probably a, a big concern, but it's not all of it. There's you know different concerns for everybody. And there's, you know, there's regulations that there's some at the state level, not too much. There's some at the county level. There's some at the city level. There's some at even the neighborhood level. So there's a whole smattering of things that can affect you. And depending on where you live, you know, there can be more or less of those. Mm-hmm. So do you do you find that um, using shipping containers for construction is getting more and more popular? Uh, I think so. I mean, just anecdotally, just from the amount of people, you know, reaching out and having uh, you know, questions are actually building them. Yeah. Um, and I, I do a lot of interviews with people and, you know, there's a lot of Facebook groups out there and Reddit and all kinds of other YouTube. You're, you're seeing a lot more people that are out there making them than probably were before. So, um, I mean, it's hard to quantify that exactly, you know, what percentage of 
of uh, you know the U.S. or the world is being built containers. I mean, it's a, it's a tiny percentage overall compared to all types of houses, but um, I, I do think it's getting more popular. Yeah. So what? Why is that? Do you think? What do you attribute to the the popularity of it? Uh, it's, I mean, some of the reasons we talked about before. It's you know it's eco friendly. It's something you can maybe do yourself or at least partly yourself. Um, it's it's interesting architecturally. You know, it looks unique. It's not like every other house. Um, it, you know, it's strong. It's it's you know kind of keeps you safe from you know the weather. Keeps you safe from intruders. Things like that. There's a lot of different benefits, and and every person has kind of their own set of things that you know motivated them. But whether they're purely motivated by it just looks cool, I don't really care how much it costs. I just want something that looks cool. Or they're like, I just want something that's safe. I'm going to leave this thing out. I'm going to build this house. I'm going to leave it out on my property, and I only go out there once a month. I want to make sure that no one's going to break into it. I mean, everyone's kind of got their own motivations for why they like them. But um, I, you know, we covered most of those earlier in the call. So right. cool. Okay, so now I kind of want to, um, you know, jump in as best we can. I, I'm like, it, it seems everything is so like case specific, you know, about where you're at and what you want and everything. But let's try to just um, get a little bit of an understanding of like what it takes to kind of build a shipping container house. Like if you're just going to build more of a simple one where you're just going to use one or two, kind of keep the main structure, just cut some holes for the windows and, and doors and stuff. Um, like what, what do you need to do in preparation for foundation? And then, you know, once the, if you need to do foundation and then once the container arrives, like, you know, what is kind of the first steps and what are you looking at? Yeah. So you technically don't even have to have a foundation. I mean, I don't typically recommend that, but I mean, some people just put the container down on you know pieces of wood or just lay it on a gravel bed or something. Um, you know, there is, depending on where you are, there is a concern of, you know, if you're, you're like close to a river or something, you know, the river can just come wash that thing away. So, um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, and there's videos of that happening. Oh, they, you know, they do kind of, they do, you know, float away. So, oh, yeah. um, so <laughs> we, so we recommend that, you know, people actually build a foundation. Um, and you can, because of the structure of them, even though a typical container is 40 feet long, you can actually just have, uh, kind of a foundation appear. Um, on the four corners, right, and then the container can kind of span across. Oh, yeah. So it's interesting when people see containers stacked, they think, "Oh, it must be the bottom of one must be touching the top of the other one." Well, actuality, the corners are raised a little bit, you know, just like a fraction of an inch. And so, actually, when they're stacked, they're only touching on those corners. Whoa. The, okay. The roof of one and the floor of the other one are not touching. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a tiny, you know, little air gap there. And actually, the uh, the roof is not really very strong. If you want to, you know, put a deck or something up there, you'll have to do some structural reinforcement. You can walk across it, but you know, it might you know bow a little bit. It's not really very strong. So <laughs> it's a little dicey, right? So so, anyways, back to your question. Yeah, you do. We typically do recommend putting a foundation down, and there's you know a few different choices there, but that's something you can probably do yourself. Um, if you're not stacking them and not doing anything too crazy. You could probably do that yourself without really any outside help. Um, if if you're in a city or you're doing something a little more bold in your design, you probably want to talk to an engineer who can help you with the foundation design. So part of that is getting a soil analysis done um, and, and making sure you know what's how much weight can this soil hold. If you have you know more organic versus more rock versus clay versus sand, kind of the constituents of your soil, it has different um, capacities for carrying things. You also have like the freeze line. If you're kind of up north, you know you have to bury 
the foundation below where the freeze line is. Right. Um, so that's a concern. But anyways, get the foundation done. Containers show up on site. Um, they can they have like kind of roll off trailers, or they'll just kind of slide them off the back. If you do that, it's a little tricky to get it on your foundation. Um, you got to be well, basically impossible to get it to <laughs> land on your foundation exactly. You'd, so you probably have to have a crane or a forklift or something to actually move it and set it in the right place. Right. Um, unless you're you know not using a foundation, or if you're using a slab foundation, then you've got a little more freedom. Um, you don't have to you know get the corner to line up on you know this one little area. Mm-hmm. So so you do that, and then you know anchor it down. Typically, people like to weld the corners to a piece of plate steel that's embedded in the the uh, slab or in the pierce, and that you know kind of solidifies it. And then, like we said before, now you've got something that's weatherproof, that's structurally sound, and now it's just you know what I need to do to make it comfortable, right? So um, you need to get power to it. You need to get you know, either sewer or septic tank hooked up to it. You need to have water hooked up to it. You got to do all those kind of utility things. And you probably want to have insulation installed. You can do that on the outside or the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, then you want to start thinking about, you know, doing the wiring, doing the plumbing, putting the walls in. And then you've got things like cabinets, and, uh, different fixtures, you know, put your, put your shower and all those things. So, um, you know, after after the container is set, it's not all that different from building a house, right? You do a lot of the same steps. It's just that the container, like we said before, is skipping some of those first steps. Um, but then after that, it's kind of fairly similar to how you build a regular house after that for the most part. There's a few differences, but typically pretty similar. Okay. So this is this is probably just more like a general construction question, but would you... Um... You know, if you're having like a sewer, sewer lines and, you know, plumbing and everything, would you do that before and have that inside of the foundation or would that be after the container is placed? Um, if you're doing a slab foundation, then you would have to do it before because it'll be you know, inside the concrete. If you're just doing those kind of four corner, you know, pier foundations, then you could do it afterwards. It just kind of depends. People that do that, typically the container is, you know, a foot or two off the ground. Okay. So you've got you've got kind of an air gap there, so you could still kind of get in there, um, and you know move around. It's probably easier to do it beforehand. It's kind of hard to get a ditch digger under the container if the container is already on top. You know, you may have to hand dig some like the last few feet or something like that. But um, you you could do it afterwards. But yeah, it's probably better to do that kind of stuff beforehand as you're kind of picking out you know where you want the house to be, where you want things to be oriented. You would probably be thinking about getting your utilities installed then. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could do it later if you if you have your budget or your timeline for whatever dictated that. Right, man, cool. This is like this is awesome. I feel like yeah. this is a good like overview of. I, I feel like a lot of everyone's kind of seen container homes on you know Instagram and Pinterest and everything like that. They're so popular and and they look sweet. They sh- you know it's rightfully so that they're popular. I mean, do you find that most people are? cover up the siding or do they leave that exposed or is it just kind of split? I think the majority of people are leaving the siding exposed. People that are not doing it are either doing it because, you know, their neighborhood or something doesn't want them to look like that. Mm-hmm. There's some people themselves, they just don't like the way it looks, which at some point you have to ask yourself if you're, if you're covering everything up, like maybe, maybe you're going down the wrong road here. Maybe this isn't for you. Right. If you're, People, you know, they're kind of doing these mental Olympics and they're bending over backwards for how they can 
make this thing work and how they can make it look different than it does. And, you know, people write me, Hey, I want to build like a, you know, a gymnasium out of containers. I'm like, well, you're gonna have to cut the sides out of like, you know, 20 of them. Like maybe you should just build a regular steel building at that point. Maybe you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're using the wrong starting place here. Um, so, you know, they're, they don't work for every situation. They don't work for every type of project, but you know, for the right thing, they do work well. And most people do want to see that they're, you know, they want to see that corrugated exterior. And that that's part of what makes them, you know, resilient, right? If you start to put something wood on the outside, well, then you kind of lost a little bit of, of the security of it. It's, yeah. it's nothing's going to get inside, but, you know, you may come in after a heavy wind and it's blowing all your stuff off. So the inside is still safe, but, you know, all your, your cladding has fallen off. So um, it, there's so many variables on you know, how you attach it, what you use. Like, I hate to say that that's a, a valid concern, but I mean, it could be. So, um, but yeah, most people want to see what the theater looks like. They want to leave that exterior exposed. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, just from me seeing, you know, homes out there, generally the majority of the homes are, are smaller ones where it's just like a one to three, maybe four containers. Would you say that's probably true? So it's, it's generally smaller homes that people are using this for? I'd say that's true. Yeah, the majority. Okay. Yeah. Damn, Aaron, this is awesome. So, okay, I, this is great. We covered a lot of stuff. Um, can you tell me about discovercontainers.com now and, and the plans you guys offer and, and the help you guys do? Yeah, so Discover Containers is really just a place for people to come that have questions a lot of the questions you asked and a lot of other questions we have articles uh, that go into a lot of those different things we have a lot of interviews Um, we just started in the past few months interviews with short-term rental hosts so there's a lot of interest from people who are like you know i've already got my house i want to either pop a container in the backyard or pop a container on you know my land that i have down the street and you know use that as an airbnb and so we've we've probably got i don't know five or ten people so far that we've interviewed all around the world um, that are you know kind of peel the curtain back and show what it was like to not only build a container or purchase it, but then operate it as an Airbnb. We've also got people who actually live in their containers who've done interviews with us as well. So we like to have kind of a mix of you know technical articles and informative stuff, but then also getting to hear hear from real people who have kind of gone down this road before. It's really motivational for people that are kind of thinking, I don't know if I can do this. It seems like a little bit of a, a heavy lift for me in my experience, but when you see like well, you know, Bob and Judy over here, you know, they're pretty normal people and they did this. They came out on the other side with a success story. You know, maybe I could do it too. So uh, we really like to highlight those stories as well. But um, yeah, we, we have a lot of information for free. And then we also have uh, the plans that you mentioned and then also an ebook. And so people that are you know ready to get serious, whether that's they want to build their own or they're thinking about hiring, you know, a contractor or a builder to do this. We think it's it makes sense to spend a little bit of money compared to spending, you know, 30, 40, 50, however much thousands of dollars, uh, you know, what's, what's 50 bucks or what's a hundred bucks of an investment and making sure this makes sense. Right. So you're getting ready to hand over a big check to people, or you're getting ready to spend a lot of money on yourself. Uh, if you're going to do it yourself, you deserve to kind of make a, an initial investment to make sure you're going down the right path. So we have a set of 54 plans that are, uh, available and, um, those four plans are not, you know, super detailed to the fact that you could get those and, you know, they're not architecturally stamped. They're not stamped by an engineer. It's really difficult to have plans that would, uh, work anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world. Um, most 
even in the United States, most architects and engineers are licensed in the state that they live in, the state they practice in. So um, you'd have to have different architects, different engineers doing stamps for different places. So people sometimes will say, well, you know, I don't understand the pricing here. I'm, I'm, you know, but it's, it's hard when you think about what it would cost to hire an architect. You know, we're not, we're not providing super detailed plans, but there you get 50 plans for 49 bucks. Um, so it's less than a dollar a plan. Mm-hmm. You'd be hard pressed. If you go to, you know, houseplans.com and you want to buy one house plan, it's 500, a thousand bucks oh, um, wow. just for one. Yeah. So obviously comparing something that costs a thousand dollars, something that costs $1, like, yeah, the detail is not going to be uh, there uh, completely. So our house plans are more for looking at, you know, what are the different ways you could orient these things? What are the different ways you could lay out rooms? Just kind of helping people that maybe don't have a lot of experience on the different ways you could combine these. And if you have a lot of do-it-yourself experience, you could take our plans and actually build something off of them. But if you live in a city or maybe you're not such an experienced do-it-yourself, you probably want to take our plans to an architect and have them formalize it. And then our book is just really goes through the entire process of, of selecting your containers and building them and turning them into a house. Um, and so it's 98 pages of, of you know diagrams and pictures and text and just helpful to people that either want to build or, or uh, buy it from someone else. And I think it really makes sense. You know, like I said before, if before you're getting ready to, to hand over a bunch of money to someone, you don't want them to be able to take advantage of you and have a, you know, a huge information asymmetry where they can kind of pull the wool over your eyes, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that are getting into container construction, people that maybe don't know exactly what they're doing, right? There's a lot of kind of fly-by-nights. Um, they throw their website up and they start building containers. And you know, next year, they're not in business anymore. I've, you know, we've seen that quite a bit. So I think you deserve... To do some due diligence and understand kind of what you're buying, and that way you can kind of make sure. Hey, did you check this? Hey, did you? Are you doing it this way or that way? Mm-hmm. Just so you can be a more educated consumer. So, we provide the book and the plans. They're forty nine dollars each, or if you buy them together, they're sixty nine dollars. Sweet, cool. Yeah, yep. no, it seems like a great you know starting point, especially to get some ideas with the the plans and everything, and then like you said, educate yourself on on the whole process so you know you really know what it takes. Um, so right. it's great that you guys are offering that. Um, would you, I mean, when people are looking for an architect, you might cover this in your book, I guess, but, um, when they're looking for an architect or someone to help them, is it a good idea or is it possible generally to find an architect who's worked with containers before? It is. I mean, if it when possible, that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've got a list, uh, internally that we've been kind of assembling over the past year or two. Um, and so if people send us an email saying, Hey, I'm in this city, we can kind of give them a, a referral for different designers and engineers that we know that are kind of in the general area that have worked with, um, containers before. So we're trying to kind of figure out how we can put that online in the best way, but, uh, we haven't got there yet. So right now it's just kind of a manual process. If you've got a question like that, uh, just send us an email, but yeah, it, if and when possible, it, it doesn't make sense. Cause I mean, there's, like I said, it's not rocket science, but there are a few differences between traditional construction a lot of uh, one of the bigger concerns is condensation so mm-hmm. if you live in an area that gets cold because it's a steel building um you can have condensation issues mm-hmm. and so how you insulate and how you ventilate some of those things can be really important to ensuring you don't have condensation on the inside and so an architect maybe that's not super experienced with containers or even building in steel buildings just may not know that that's something to consider right so 
um, things like that. You know, someone could have the best intentions, but just not have the experience to be able to know some of the things to look out for. So, right. um, yeah, it just makes sense to have someone that's, that's got a few under their belt if you can find them. Cool. Oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, this is great. I'm totally going to gonna buy both the book and the plants because I'm like, I, I really want to build my own container house. I just don't know where I want to live yet. But, uh, but once I do, it's, it's going to be good. Oh, do, have, awesome. do you ever have people who like, is it possible to build a container house and then, and then move it fairly easily depending on, you know, if you build it properly or is that not really done? Uh, it's not super common, but it can be done. I mean, it's obviously easier if your container house is one container, right? Yeah. If you've got, if you've got multiple containers, typically people are welding those together. So they're not really coming apart very easily. You have to get your grinder out and yeah. you know, cut them apart. Um, so those containers are not moving too much, but if it's a single container, then yeah, you can, you know, throw it back on a truck and move it somewhere else. Um, but I mean, it's not, people aren't using them like RVs or not like put my container in, you know, Colorado in the summer. And I, you know, put it in Florida in the winter. Like I've never seen anyone who's doing something that extensive. Right. Um, at that point, it probably just makes sense to get something that's got wheels on it, you know, but mm-hmm. um, like a, t- a tiny house or an RV, but you can move it if you ever wanted to. Sweet. Cool. All right, man. Well, I'll, I'll have the link for discovercontainers.com. People can check all that stuff out and, and you know, learn more from you. And uh, thanks for being on, Aaron. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Travis. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> oh, boy. What an episode. Thanks for sticking around and listening to it. This is Travis again uh, here on my own. But as a thank you for sticking around, I wanted to give you a free sticker, a free Curiosityness sticker, 100% free, don't have to pay for shipping, you don't have to enter your credit card info, it's really free. Uh, to get one, go to curiositynesscom slash free sticker, and it's yours, I'll send it to you right away, and, and you can slap that baby wherever you want to represent Curiositiness. So, uh, thanks for listening, appreciate it, just wanted to give you guys a little gift, um, so just go ahead and claim that at curiositynesscom slash free sticker. And... Uh, visit our website too, curiositiness.com. I have an Instagram, curiositiness podcast. I'm on Instagram too as Trav DeRose, me, Travis, the host. You can follow me if you want. Uh, we're on Twitter, curiositiness TV is our uh, handle there. We're on Facebook as curiositiness. All the links to this stuff are in the show notes. You can just click on it and follow us if you want to, because I post some cool little clips and, and extra stuff that you don't get from the uh, podcast onto social media. So you can join in on that and comment and, and talk about me and the show or whatever you want to do. Uh, we're on YouTube, too, as Curiositiness. And I have an email address, Travis at Curiositiness.com. Send me an email. Send me your thoughts on the show, suggestions for new guests tips on things to make the show better and and help me with my interviewing and and get better and everything like that. So uh, constructive feedback is always nice. So send me an email and uh, also reviews super help. Uh, Really appreciate reviews on the show in uh, Stitcher or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, Just drop a review. That's extremely helpful. You don't even have to make it five stars. You can you can lower it. I would prefer a higher one, but whatever, whatever you want to do. I won't coax you into something, Uh, but any sort of review helps. I really honestly do appreciate it. So um, yeah, thank you again, guys. 
for sticking around and listening to this end blabber with me. But uh, have a good rest of the day. Bye bye.